look, your name, how long is your name going to last? Right? Years. So don't just spend like a couple hours on it. Like really spend a lot of time doing it. You know, we can spend three weeks working on names here. What's up, branding experts? Arik here at Design, And welcome to On Branding Podcast. The only podcast where I interview branding experts to give you actionable tips on everything branding and beyond. And in this episode, I interview Alexandra Watkins. And we talk about how to create brand names. And Alexandra is the founder of Eat My Words, a nationally recognized naming firm featured multiple times in Wall Street Journal, Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and many more. And prior to launching her firm Eat My Words, Alexandra was an advertising copywriter working at leading West Coast ad agencies, including Ogilvy & Mother and London Associates. So her clients include big brands like Amazon, Xerox, uh, Disney, Microsoft, Wrigley, Tourney Networks, Fujitsu, just to name a few. And besides that, Alexandra is also the author of the best-selling book, Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. And this is the book we are going to talk about today. So Alexandra is an expert when it comes to brand naming, and that's why I really wanted to have her on our podcast. Hello, Alexandra. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So basically in your book, uh, you show how anyone, even the most non-creative person can come up with great brand names and, and really have fun doing it, right? So, uh, and you say that creating names is not a science, yet there is a lot of naming firms that make it so- sound like it is actually. And they describe their work as verbal identity engineering, rigorous methodologies, or uh, computational linguistics, and so on. So in your book, you demystify the naming process and you explain what actually makes a great name and what makes a bad one. And you give a ton of examples of small brands and, and also big brands that we, that we all know and we can relate and un- so we can understand the concept. Um, so in your book, you also reveal your brainstorming process and you give a bunch of tips and tricks on how to come up with awesome names. So I wanted to make this podcast, podcast actionable for our listeners and talk about your naming process and some of your tools and techniques, okay? Um, but before we talk about those exercises, those brainstorming tools, uh, let's first define what makes a good versus bad brand name. So basically, you've developed this uh, smile and scratch test, right? Yes. So can you just speak to that a bit? What are the qualities of a good brand name? Sure. Well, the smile and scratch test is based on my philosophy that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. Smile is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name strong, and scratch is an acronym for when to scratch it off the list. So smile stands for the S is for suggestive, and that means that your name suggests or evokes something about your brand. The M stands for memorable, and that means that your name makes an association with the familiar. It's much more easy for, it's much more easy for people to remember things that they already have an association with. The I stands for imagery, and that means that your name, when people hear it or see it, it can evoke visuals in the mind. It's much more easy 
for people to remember images than it is for them to remember random words or photos. The L in smile stands for legs, and that means that your name has legs and it lends itself to a theme so you can extend the brand. And finally, the E in smile stands for emotional, and your name needs to make an emotional connection to resonate with your audience. Otherwise, it's going to go right over their head. Right. Awesome. So can you just uh, give us uh, some examples for each of those? So. Uh, so we can actually understand. So sure. Example, yeah. Sure. So um, suggestive. So the name uh, Amazon suggests large, right? Like the Amazon River, large, yeah. right? Uh, the memorable. memorable. I like to use. Uh, so that makes an association with the familiar. So there's a bike lock named Kryptonite. Well, we're all familiar with kryptonite from the Superman comics, so that's familiar. It makes it easy to remember. Imagery, Rent the Runway is a unicorn. Uh, you hear Rent the Runway, you can picture something in your head. Legs, Eat My Words, the name of my company, uh, has the theme of food. So, for instance, our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. And we have packages like the whole enchilada or a signature dish. And then E for emotional uh, example I love to cite is a electronic mosquito zapper named the executioner. When you hear that, it makes a strong emotional connection, especially if you're being attacked by a mosquito and you want to kill it. Some, a name, if you're you know shopping on Amazon at 2 a.m. for a mosquito, uh, a bug zapper like I was, a name like the executioner makes a strong emotional connection. And names with strong emotional connections um, help with sales because people are, you know, people want something that they can relate to. So right. just, so the flip side of smile scratch, and I'll give examples as I say these, uh, the S and Scratch stands for spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. Uh, people will have trouble finding you. They'll butcher your email address and web address. Uh, spelling challenge names, we see them all the time. Um, gosh, where do I even start? Um, Haagen-Dazs. Yeah, Haagen-Dazs, yeah. So there's a, like a, this was an organic, baby clothing company named Species, oh, yeah. which is the bad name in general, and it's spelled S-P-E-E-S-E-E-S. -E 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 Copycat is the C in Scratch, and that is when your name resembles competitors' names. So it shows, you know, a lack of originality. You open yourself up to trademark infringement. Um, an example there is we all know QuickBooks, and there's another accounting software called FreshBooks. I mean, it's just like a ripoff of QuickBooks, right? right? Lending tree, lending club. So it's, you know, they share, they share words uh, in the name that just smacks of being a copycat. So the it's just R, too similar to, to a copycat. Yeah, similar. Right? Yeah. It's just yeah. like hijacking other people's ideas. Exactly. Um, the R in Scratch stands for restrictive. And that's where your name limits your future growth because you're locked into it. Like Amazon, if 
Jeff Bezos had named it Book Barn, they, you never, what's the latest thing you bought from Amazon, right? Like I bought a lighting set. Uh, you know, somebody might have bought a lawnmower, like, but if, you wouldn't be buying that yeah. from Book Barn. Right, so, I mean, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Right. right, right. So you don't want your name to be restrictive. Um, the A in Scratch stands for annoying, and that's where your name seems seems forced or it frustrates customers. Uh, there's a, a company called Screencastify. Like that's forced. It's it's. I think there's five vowels in one word. Screencastify. It tries too hard. So that's what I mean by annoying. Or you, there's a company called Zobni, and it's spelled X O B N I, and that's inbox spelled backwards. Like don't annoy people. You know, uh, the T and scratch stands for tame, and you don't want a name that feels flat descriptive or uninspired so that's you know people do that by making their name you know network solutions it's tame right or uh, docu-sign it's, it's just boring right it lacks inspiration yeah. um, the second C in scratch stands for the curse of knowledge and that's where your name speaks only to insiders this is often what happens when engineers are allowed to name things they forget that other people don't know what they know. So this is often when something is named in a word that's a foreign language, for instance, that has the curse of knowledge. And then finally, the H in scratch stands for hard to pronounce. And when your name is hard to pronounce, it confuses and distances customers. So think of a time you've gone to a foreign restaurant and you were unable to confidently pronounce something on the menu so maybe you pointed at it maybe you butchered or bungled the spelling or maybe you just didn't order it at all you don't want your brand name to be like that either you want it to be approachable like a welcome mat not like a do not enter sign so hard to pronounce names you know, again, with the foreign languages, uh, or if your name can be pronounced multiple ways, that's a, that's a bad thing. You only want your brand to be known by one pronunciation, not two. Right, right. That's totally scratch. Makes, yeah, it totally makes sense. So, yeah, so, we, so your technique is, uh, this is like a checklist, basically, right? Yeah, so it's, it's a 12-point name evaluation filter. Yeah, so it's smile. Uh, just for our listeners, just to sum up, so SMILE stands for five qualities of a good name. And so we were talking about suggestive, memorable, imagery, legs, and emotional. And now you've talked about uh, SCRATCH, which stands for uh, just common naming mistakes uh, or, or uh, bad names. Uh, and so we've talked about uh, names that are the spelling is challenged or copycat names, restrictive, annoying, tame, course of knowledge, and hard to pronounce. So, so since, since our listeners now have uh, some idea of what makes a good versus bad brand name, uh, now I know that uh, just from my own experience that uh, because uh, a lot of people talk about domains when it comes to naming, right? And there is a lot of misconception when it comes to uh, naming and then finding an available domain. So people often ask, uh, you know, can, can a domain name be different than your legal business name? And how important is matching a company's name to its domain name? 
So in the third chapter of your book, you, you actually state, quote, most people believe that the first thing they must do when naming a business is to go to a domain registrar and to make sure that domain is not taken, uh, end quote. So, so basically the misconception, misconception is that people think that if their exact name isn't available, then they have to dismiss that name entirely, which is not true, right? So can Correct. you speak to that? Yeah, elite? absolutely. Yeah, so many people make that mistake of starting by looking for a domain name when what they should be doing is finding a really good name for their brand and thinking about the domain name. Nobody expects you to have an available domain, to have an exact match domain name anymore. And so many companies that you know didn't start out with this exact match domain name. Facebook was the Facebook, Tesla was Tesla Motors, Dropbox was Get Dropbox, Basecamp was Basecamp HQ. So don't let yourself, don't stop yourself because you can't find an available, you'll never, you'll never get a good brand name if you insist upon having an exact match domain name. Those just aren't available anymore. So just add a modifier or do something clever like come up with a memorable phrase. Um, some of my favorites are, there's a, a company called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys and their domain name is gobblegobble.com. There's a peanut butter company called Peanut Butter & Co. Their domain name is ilovepeanutbutter.com. So um, there's a, one of my clients is a, a they make, a, they're a produce grower and they make a lot of prepackaged vegetables and their domain name, their company is called Man Packing and their domain is veggiesmadeeasy.com. So you can get creative. Don't, don't get into that trap. And that's why so many names are spelled in such horrible ways because people are so desperate to find an available domain name that they'll sacrifice a name that's easy to spell and pronounce because they think they have to have the same word and that the domain is super important. It People will find you, you know, build a good right. brand. Right. So this is really important to just point this out because it's a common misconception. So basically the solution to that is just to add modifiers in the form of an extra word, right? Correct. Uh, or using a creative phrase, uh, a phrase as you mentioned, like with peanut butter, uh, I love peanut butter .com. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some of the wrong, like, uh, wrong ways about going, going about uh, uh, domain name? Uh, so, for oh, example, gosh. misspellings. <laughs> There's so uh, many. I have this uh, new online course called "How to Create Super Sticky Brand Names," and I have seven lessons in there on domain names, and I have one called silliness and one of the things that people do is they use what's called the cctld which stands for country code top level domain where they'll use a the extension for a country like dot ly which is libya and I've, I've actually been to libya and i tell me i trust me if you had to go to libya to get one of those uh extensions you probably wouldn't want to use it uh do not do this. Like, you know, then you have to constantly, like General Assembly is a place that offers online courses and their domain name 
is generalassem.ly. So they always have to spell it. Anytime you have to stop and spell your name for people, your name, domain name, you're, you're apologizing for it. That's exactly what you're doing. And when you apologize for your name, you're devaluing your brand. So don't use like .me to spell something. And you, you, I'm sure a lot of your listeners remember um, Delicious, the social bookmarking site that had all the dots in it. They started that whole trend with the .us. Well, yeah. while no one was paying attention, they quietly dropped the dots and they wrote a blog post about it and said, you know, look, nobody ever got them in the right place. It was maddening. Right. It was so frustrating. And that's what happens. You're frustrating people. You do not want your name to be frustrating. You don't want people to get that bounce back email because they're spelling species like it should be spelled, not, you know, S-P-E-E-S-E-E-S. So don't make it hard for people. Make it easy. Remember the welcome mat, not the do not enter sign. So, yeah, the CCTLD is huge mistake. Um, hyphens can trip people up because, again, you're going to have to spell it out. If I tell you my website is eatmywords.com, I don't have to stop and spell it. I don't have right. to say there's a hyphen in it. I don't have to say, you know, eat my word, eat, you know, or brand name, you know, brand name, you know, dot na dot me like because and people i know this because we renamed so many companies of people that got it wrong the first time and they'll say uh every time i tell someone it was like dot me then they would say dot com right and it's like no there is no dot com why isn't there a dot com and like you end up again explaining apologizing and you're devaluing your brand and you're wasting time so don't don't make it frustrating now we are going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you are a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop, where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. And now let's get back to our conversation with Alexandra Watkins. Yes, and this is something that you mentioned in your book also, right? You shouldn't apologize for your name. When you apologize for your name, uh, that's uh, basically you're missing the point, right? So yeah. every time you have to spell for people, um, uh, you are apologizing for your name. So just make make it easy for for uh, your customers, right? Yeah. Um, so now I just wanted to talk about your brainstorming exercises because there is a lot, quite a lot of them in your book, and I know you have an online course which is which you just launched uh, recently. And uh, so we have a lot of brainstorming exercises that you use. Um, but before we actually talk about those brainstorming exercises, what is really important and, and you emphasize on that in your book is to define some criteria just to be able to stay focused in that brainstorming phase. So ultimately, we can make some meaningful decisions when selecting, you know, the, the winning candidates, right? So. Can we talk about the, the importance of writing a naming brief or creative brief and 
what kind of information should we include there? Sure, yeah. I would never start a naming project without a creator brief. And um, what the brief is, it's really the roadmap. It's where, so you do stay focused, like you said. And otherwise, you don't, if you don't have a plan, it's kind of like if you were driving somewhere, you need a map to get there, or I guess your GPS. And otherwise, you'd just be going around aimlessly. So the brief keeps you on track. You know, you want to you want to think about what's the tone and personality of your brand. And this is always going to be a checklist that you can come back to and say, does the names that I've come up with match what my goals are? You know, what, what is, what style of names do you like? What, uh, what is some brand experiences you want people to feel when they come in contact with your name? You know, if, if you're like, our brand is, you know, playful, unexpected and creative. So we need a name that's, that feels like that, which Eat My Words is, you know, if we were called, you know, strategic name development, that doesn't feel playful, creative, or unexpected at all. So you want to have these, you want to define who your brand is, then work on your name and let the name fall out of that. Right. So you, you so it is really important to have a creative brief because otherwise you're just drifting. A, you, you won't be focused, right? Yeah. Uh, you won't know which which candidate is a good candidate. Uh, so you just waste a lot of time. So some of some of those components like of, of a creative brief would be uh, just to uh, your your desired brand positioning, your target audience, yeah. uh, some cost, consumer insights. Uh, of course, you need to analyze your competitors, right? Uh, uh, and desired brand experience, and as you mentioned, brand personality, tone of voice, and uh, perhaps some words that you want to explore or words yeah. that you want to avoid, right? Yeah, yeah, words to explore is really important. And yeah, words to avoid would be like, you know, words that your competitors use in their names or words that might not appeal to your target audience. So it's really important that you spend a lot of time on the brief and that all of the decision makers weigh in. So that way you all have the same strategy. And when you do come up with names, you will have something to measure them against. Right. Okay, so since we, since we know that, uh, and once you have the creative brief uh, prepared, now let's talk about those brainstorming exercises. So. Uh, in your book, you review you know, all your secrets and methods uh, to brainstorm uh, names. And so I just wanted to talk about at least uh, about a few of them, just to give people uh, an idea of what's in the book or what's in your course, right? Because there's quite a lot of, of exercises there. But uh, first, let's just talk about what's the right versus the wrong way of you know, uh, brainstorming uh, names. Because in your book, you say, quote, brainstorming meetings are terribly ineffective. So why is that they are ineffective and uh, how to brainstorm the right way? That's a great question. Anyone listening to this that's been in a brainstorming meeting knows how ineffective they are. You're meeting in a white room, staring at white walls. It's completely sterile. There's no creative inspiration in there. And... All you have to use is your brain and the people around you. It's a 
free for all where the extroverts take over and throw anything out there. There's no objective criteria to evaluate names. The introverts might shy away from participating and the whoever is the loudest or has the most seniority is who ends up getting listened to. And what happens is people often don't, they end up with these like amalgamated names of a little of this idea, a little of that idea. And they're, or what happens is the name that gets chosen is the name, is not the best name, it's the name that's met with the least resistance. So for all of those reasons and more, they're not effective. The best way to brainstorm that I've discovered after doing this for 15 years is doing it in front of a computer. The computer is a far bigger brain than, you know, if you put, you know, a couple hundred people in a room, the computer is still going to win, right? Um, you're going to be at, there's, it's a bottomless well of creative ideas. You just need to know how to tap it and where to look. So if you just do it yourself and, you know, use my, my tools and yeah, I give away a lot in the book. There's, I give away way, way more in my, in my course. Cause I just had to do something way better than the book. And uh, I really show you a lot of different techniques and places to go, but if you do that, you don't have anybody saying no to you. You're able to kind of brainstorm in peace, get as creative as you want, go down different rabbit holes and really get a lot more creative. And you don't have to listen to anybody poo-pooing your ideas. You can just go for it. And so what I suggest is doing it yourself that way. You know, don't play drunken Scrabble or, you know, use yeah any type of voodoo uh linguistic stuff just use real words that are conceptual pull words out of your brief as starter points to concept on and so that's the way to do it and if you have people on your team you're doing it together start on your own doing it the way i say then come together as a team you will have run your names through the smile and scratch test by then. And you'll say, okay, these are the names I came up with. They passed the smile and scratch test and they're on strategy with the brief and have people compare notes. That's where you should meet first meet as a group mm -hmm. after you've done your homework. Right. So just to sum up for our listeners, the best way to go about brainstorming names is just to do it in front of the computer, you know, because you have access to all this information and um you can really dig uh, you know um you, you can find uh, much more than you know like if even even if you have like you said hundreds of people still computer is going to win right so uh this is the right way to do it uh so let's set some rules before we talk about those uh, specific exercises so let's set some rules so uh, since we know that the best way is to use the computer uh uh, what uh, like what are the advice before we actually jump into those exercises? What what are some some of the rules we need to keep in mind? Uh, you know when brainstorming. Well, I think I, I don't really think there's any rules if you're doing it by yourself because there is no like you know group brainstorming like no ideas about idea like that whole thing. But it's um you know I what I do is I write down I write down everything even if it's not the the perfect name 
I'll write it down and I call these sparks. Like it might be part of a word that, you know, or part of a name, like, oh, it's not right, but I'll come back to it later. So I guess I would say maybe that's a rule, like don't throw anything out and don't keep looking up domain names while you're doing it. Like, you know, I would chunk it out into maybe an hour at a time that you're doing it. And, you know, look, your name, how long is your name going to last? right? Years. So don't just spend like a couple hours on it, like really spend a lot of time doing it. You know, we can spend three weeks working on names here. So put the time into it. The more time you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. The more you put into your creative brief, the more names you'll come up with. Right. And, and, and of course, uh, have your uh, naming brief or creative brief in front of you, yeah. right? Yeah, you want to have your creative brief in front of you. You can have the smile and scratch test in front of you. Uh, before you start, I always tell people pull 12 words out of your creative brief. They don't need to be part of your name, but they could be jumping off points for concepts. So if you were to if you were naming a frozen yogurt store and you had the word cold on, in your right. creative brief, um, you know, it's a cool treat, cold treat. You could start searching for the word cold. I, I do this in my book. Um, and, you know, I was looking up coldest places on earth. I call that Google storming where I'm just like putting in thing, reading just curious, you know, asking questions, coldest places on earth. And I was reading about somewhere and I saw it was in Siberia. And I thought, oh, that would make a really fun name for a frozen yogurt store, Siberia. So that's how I come up with ideas or looking up lingo. So I looked up snowboarding terms and I was reading about those and I saw the word chatter. And I thought, oh, chatter, it's just this innocuous snowboarding term. But then I thought of Kit, you know, the teens eating frozen yogurt, chattering away, socializing, and your teeth chatter when it's cold. So that was like, oh, that's a great name. And I never would have come up with that on my own. Right. So you just mentioned two of those exercises, right? Yeah. Uh, so glossaries, lingo, Google yeah. storming. Uh, so just Googling uh, those words. So you pull out. Uh, 12 words uh, from your uh, creative brief and you start with one and just run run with one through different exercises using different exercises and then you take another one and another one right and, and you have to of course put time into it it's not gonna just take uh, a couple minutes or a couple hours it can take a few days or a few weeks as you said yeah and you have to keep going and not get discouraged i you know i I did this in my course to kind of like replicate this is what it's like and I sh I we're doing the frozen yogurt thing and I say look at book titles with the word cold in them and I show this whole screen of book titles and I say look at look at this do you see any ideas and there are no good ideas and I say you know look this is going to happen. You're going to look things up and there's not going to be anything there, but you just have to keep going and you will find something, but you just, it's kind of like if you're shopping for clothes and you go in a store and there's nothing or whatever you're shopping for, sporting equipment, whatever, there's nothing there that you like. You don't give up. You just go to the next store. And that's what brainstorming is like. You have to just keep going trying different things, try different words, try different places, try different search terms, and you will come up with ideas, but you just have to keep digging. 
Right. So, so, some, some of the other exercises, some of the other tools that you use, right? You use, you, you mentioned Desaurus, uh, just searching images on Google on the top images, uh, using dictionaries, uh, cliches. You mentioned book titles, also movie titles or yeah. song titles, right? Yeah. Uh, so can you just, uh, can we just like uh so for example you take the word called right just to give uh, our listeners an idea and and, and you go on thesaurus.com and you you type in the word and you see what's coming up and uh you write down if you think that you 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 uh judge those ideas against your uh creative brief and if you think it's good, but don't, uh, and you also mentioned to write everything down, right? So ideas can lead you to lead you to better ideas. So don't uh, dismiss ideas right away. Just write everything down and see where it leads you, right? Yeah, like I was looking up cold in the thesaurus and I saw the word wintry and that's not a good name for a frozen yogurt store, but it made me think of winter and that led me to winter sports. So I went on Google images, typed in winter sports, I saw a guy doing an aerial trick on a snowboard and I thought to myself, that's so cool. And I thought, oh, that would make an interest, a fun name. So cool. You know, so it's, you know, looking at, I saw pictures of uh, people making snow angels in the snow. I'm like, oh, snow day. That would be fun. You know, maybe not for a frozen yogurt store. That would probably be better for a snow cone shop. But that's what I mean. Like, just try try things like that where you're just typing in. I mean, that's what's so much fun about Google and any anywhere on the internet, Wikipedia. There's just, just read, skim, just look for interesting words. One of my favorite brainstorming stories is I was working with this guy who was naming a, um, an, uh, men's athleisure, you know, clothing brand. And he was really into MMA fighting. So I looked up, movie, I looked at Karch movie fight scenes, top, and you, uh, there's a top whatever number list of everything. So I looked up top 50 movie car chase scenes, top movie, 50 movie fight scenes. And sure enough, they were there. And I just was reading, reading, reading. You just got to keep skimming. To me, it's all about skimming, looking for interesting words to pop out. And I saw the word stunt double. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's such a fun name for a clothing brand. So that was the name, stunt double. Nice. That's a great story. So basically, everything that you need to come up with a great name is online, right? It is. So, yeah, you just uh, have to know where to look and, and how, to, how to think, how to think differently you know just think deeply just yeah j j don't go for the obvious when I'm naming we do a lot of work with um Starkist and you know fish a lot of frozen fish browns and I look up names of boats because you know people name their boats really fun clever things or I might look up names of racehorses or baby names so there's just look for analogies, right? If you're doing a metaphorical name, look for something. If you're naming something fast, go on, on Google Images or Getty, Getty or Stockhouse and look up fast because everything's tagged with keywords. And, you know, you're going to see things that are fast. And, you know, think of Puma, right? The running shoe. That, that could have been something that came up if they were doing an image search. Right.
Awesome. So hopefully with all those tips and tricks, so we have the checklist, smile and scratch um, test uh, to evaluate those things. So once you have a lot of ideas, use those diff different exercises that you review in your book or uh, on, your, on your website, in your online course. And uh, once you have a lot of ideas, uh, you can, ju you can uh, just narrow them down, right? And then what would be like the next step, uh, how to review those names? So let's say if, if we are coming up for a, with a, we need to come up uh, with a name for a startup. And so, so there is a team, uh, we need to present those names. Do you have any tips for presenting those names or selecting the right name? What's next? Well, after you have your, so if you're doing your naming a startup, you have all the team members do the creative exercises on their own, you know, come together having filtered everything through the smile and scratch test, check it against the brief to make sure your names are on strategy. Then at that point, um, you can share names as a group and then rank them. Um, at that point, you know, everybody can rank their, the names and you don't want to ask what do I like it? The question to ask yourself is, is it right for the brand? Because that's far less subjective than do I like it? Is it right for the brand is definitely the correct question to ask yourself. At that point, you can rank your names and send the ones that you like the best. And again, look, I'm not telling, look, it's so hard for the startups to not do this, but you don't need to go look at domain names yet. You know, run everything through trademark screening first, right? Because no bother, why bother looking for domain names if it's not going to clear trademarking? So do those screens first. And um, oh, in my course, you get 60 free days of online trademark screens from this really cool new website that makes it really easy to screen names online. It's very comprehensive. Um, do your screens, then come back and say, okay, here's a clear trademarking. Now let's, let's review them again and rank them again. And what you don't want to do is ask people outside your team what they think. Because when you do a survey monkey or start asking people in the hallway, you know, or your friends and family, what do you think of this name? Do you like this? Um, that's not, they don't hear uh, what do you think? What they hear is, what don't you like about it? And anytime you ask someone for their opinion, it's an invitation to criticize. Right. So don't do that. You know, right. if, if, you've, if you've become knowledgeable about naming, you're going to know way more about naming than the people that you're asking. And everybody right. considers themselves to be a, a font of wisdom around naming, but they're, they're not, you know, that. Yeah they don't know the rules, right? And, they were and not involved if, in the process, right? Yeah, they weren't involved in the process. They don't know best practices. And so they mean well, but you'll often get really bad advice. And that's how bad names happen. Right. Awesome. So hopefully with all those tips and tricks, uh, our listeners have just, you know, much more success finding awesome brand names. So, but there is much more to it. And there is, many more exercises but um, um, you can find more uh, in the book my name is awesome or in online course and uh, Alexander was uh, so kind to to uh, create a coupon code which is EBAQ uh, just from my name um, uh, so you can get $300 off uh, and uh, 
as we are approaching our, the end of our uh, interview, can you just give us uh, uh, some, uh, um, how can you find more about you and the, the work you do for people who want to work with you or just for people who want to find more about, uh, about you and just learn from you? And um, just, those yeah, just go to my website, Eat My Words, um, eatmywords.com, and you can follow me on LinkedIn at Alexandra Watkins, or, you know, just look up Eat My Words, and you'll find me, and that's, uh, that's it, and then, you know, there will be a link for the course in the show notes, I'm sure, um, if people sure. want to do that and, and use their promo code, you get $300 off. Yeah, and my book is called Hello, My Name is Awesome, How to Create Brand Names That Stick. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So this is it for today's episode. And make sure to go and check out Alexandra's website and follow her on social media. And also check out her book that we've talked about today, Hello, My Name is Awesome. And don't forget about the $300 discount of the Alexandra's new online course. Just use the code EBAC at checkout. It's E-B-A-Q. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebakdesign.com slash podcast slash 10. So thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy, and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from eBay Design.